Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Prince walks to the mic and goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the My Prince Story Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Marshall, and I'm so stupid excited about this week's guest. Christopher Titus is a writer, producer, actor, stand-up comedian, Peter Cetera stunt guy. The list goes on and on. You probably know him from his TV show Titus back in 2000 or one of his many stand-up specials. I know him as a super cool guy that happens to be a huge Prince fan. Make sure you check out Special Unit and Amerigeddon on Amazon. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Christopher Titus. I gotta be honest with you, man. I've hung out with you a couple times, and I'm never sure what to call you. It's like when Prince changed his name to the symbol. Do I call you Titus? <laughs> do I call you Christopher? Do I call you Chris? My first joke ever was, uh, my name's Christopher Titus. Uh, don't call me Chris, because uh, then it's Chris Titus, which sounds like something you get vaccinated for. That was the first joke <laughs> I ever wrote. Before you came and so, and then it's weird. My whole life, people would just yell. Even my wife said, you know, sure, she go, Chris, Chris, Chris. And I, I don't respond. If she goes, Titus. Something about that word cuts through everything I whip my head around. So everybody should just call me Titus. Okay, perfect. Like Cher or Prince. Yes, exactly. I had the pleasure of interviewing you on my radio show, and we talked about your stand-up and all kinds of fun stuff, but had no idea that you are a ginormous fan of Prince. <laughs> yeah, well, you had the party you saw. Right? Yeah. Oh my God, the, the Purple Party in LA. Thank you so much for inviting me to that. That was incredible. So before we get into all of the things that we love about Prince, can we talk about how you went all out for this party? Here, here's how much of Prince died. When Prince died, we, my wife and I were on a plane going, I mean, we were going to a gig, we were sitting in a plane, and, in, in, uh, and you know, we had the TVs in front of us and on the plane, and she, and all of a sudden her phone just starts like blowing up, and, she, and, and it was this, is Titus okay, is Titus okay, is Chris okay, how's Chris taking this? And, and I'm like, what is going on? And, and so we turn on the news, and it's just a Prince fight. I, I, I burst into tears, I was like, no, why, how? And I started freaking out. So what we decided, and, and Ray's mom had just passed too. So we we had uh, we had some really bad. It was like a really bad time for us, uh, and not just because her I mean, mom died. You know, Prince is Prince, but I mean, her mom died. So I said, you know, we need to do we need to do a blowout Prince party. We do a blowout Prince party. If no one comes, it'll be you and I dancing to the best music that we know. And she said, fine. So the first year we kind of went all out, and we you know we, we rented curtains and lights. We had a band actually. We had a band, and we made them learn uh, Pink Cashmere and a couple other songs. And the dude, the dude had to learn Pink Cashmere. He nailed this guy. Nailed it. So we had that the first year. And the second year we did it, um, we did the same thing. And I had, I had a, band, a giant banner made. I had all kinds of stuff. So basically, my soundstage, we turned it into a nightclub. And you saw it. You were not kidding, right? We weren't kidding. Yeah, that was pretty incredible. Yeah, and so this year, we did the print stand-ups from, we did one from Purple Rain and one from a concert picture. And, and then we had, we had my buddy, uh, uh, Tom Tran, who's, uh, he's military. He's actually he's over at Iraq. And he, he's a guitarist, and he's he's got an 80s cover band, and he's been slowly making them learn print songs. So he tells me, he goes, Titus, I got this Prince outfit, man. I look just like Prince. I got a wig and everything. I said, okay, why don't you come play the solo to Purple Rain? And then he comes out, and the, the 
jacket's like four sizes too big for him, and the wig looks like he he, he looked like Ann Esther from Sanford and Son. And I go, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed the entire time. But he still played the, it was the solo. It was pretty Dude, cool. it was great. I had a conversation with him, and I was showing off pictures of my Prince guitars. He was showing off pictures of his, like, 5,000 guitars. And this whole time, I never realized that I knew that guy from a Netflix comedy special, and he's a very funny comedian. All I knew is he rocked out a Prince guitar solo. That's all I cared about. <laughs> yeah, at the party, just walking around. We're going to do something different next year. So he was right around, you know, this year it happened to be on 420, but right, he died on the 21st. Right around that, whatever that weekend is, we always, we were, you know, until, it, until it just runs out and we can't do it anymore, we're going to do a Prince party. The Purple Party, we call it. Let's talk a little bit about your history with Prince. For me... I was in like sixth grade when Purple Rain came out and my older sister loved the Purple Rain album and she destroyed one of my tapes. Then my dad said, you can take whatever tape of hers that you want since she tore up yours. So I was like, oh yeah, I'm taking Purple Rain. And from that moment on, <laughs> I was changed. I ended up yeah. buying every Prince thing I could find. I was working part-time jobs as a teenager just to support my Prince habit. So uh, how about you? Where did things begin with you? So I used to this company, this clothing company, and uh, he played. Uh, the first thing that happened is he played the Oakland Coliseum uh, in California, and there was an article in the paper. And I used to read the paper every day. I was already living in. I was already living in San Francisco doing comedy, and it was this article about this dude, this little dude in. A, in and this was the. I, I want to say it was the end. It was the 1999 tour. Well, at the end of the 1999 tour, he would actually uh, be wearing panties, thigh-high boots, <laughs> right. uh, lace shirt, and and he would hump a pillow on a moving bed, and they'd roll off stage while he screwed the bed. So, and that was in the article. I'm like, who is this dude? I thought he was weird. I'm like, this is a weird dude. And then I got then a friend of mine, a comedian I knew named Warren Thomas. We were driving to a gig, and I had to pick him up because I had the opening act. And the opening act has to freaking drive. And and he had he had dirty mind framed on his wall. And I'm like, I said, this is the dude that did thing. He goes, yeah. He goes, do you have that album? I go, no. He goes, then you don't know anything about music yet. And I was like, I remember I taking that very serious. So I went out and bought Controversy, and then I bought 1999. And in 1999, a DMSR hit. Um, I was like, hold, what is this? And then I bought, and so between Controversy and Dirty Mind, I was already in. Um, in 1999, man, a little red Corvette, and a 1999, and like just some weird songs, a lady cab driver, there's some songs. So I used to drive around doing comedy around the country, and I had a car, I had a crappy car that I drove so I couldn't afford to fly, because you're not making any money when you're, you know, starting out. Sure. But I had Prince cassettes that I beat to death. And then Purple Rain came out. And I was dating this girl. I was 19 and 20, and she was 25, uh, Louise, which makes my new wife laugh because she goes, Wheezy, did you date Wheezy, did you? So uh, I was dating this girl, and she took me to see it. And I, I and you want to talk about Chains. I went and saw the movie, and I was done. I go, when he, when he, when he wants Lobster to Baby, I'm the star, it was just over. I was like, okay, that's it. This Whoever this guy is, I have to own everything he's ever done. I'll let go of my man card right now. I will still, to this day, tear up at the end of Purple Rain. I don't even care. I still do <laughs> to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And the thing about them is that, you know, everybody has their moment. Like people say, oh, artists have their moment where they peak and then they just, you, they're just around forever because they keep going. Prince had moment after moment. He's like you too. He had moment after moment after moment. Here's what happened. So I was a huge fan. had everything he did. I bought Rainbow Children, for God's sake. I mean, I bought everything he did. Uh, Raven's the joy. Fantastic. I have all of it. And then what happened was is that I got divorced and I was going through this really bad time. And I'd seen him. I'd taken my ex to him a couple times. I'd seen him at the Hollywood on the Jam of the Year tour, which was awesome. Um, we saw him do uh, a musicology. I went and saw him uh, at Staples 
center, which was was amazing. Like, dude, it was crazy for a five foot one or two man. He had this presence of you know of of Thanos basically. For a <laughs> and my wife, my ex wife, never got it really. She was like, yeah, yeah, that's whatever. And then I got divorced, and I was I started dating my new wife. We were just dating at the time, and I was going through money with attorney so fast, and I got to this weird thing where I was like, you know what, money doesn't matter. I don't care anymore. And he was playing the Roosevelt here in L.A. Now, the Roosevelt Hotel has got this ballroom that seats 300 people. And the tickets were, man, they were crazy. I think they were they were 15 to 1,800 bucks a piece. Jesus. And I didn't care anymore. I was going through this divorce. People, she's saying horrible things that, that she's just blind about what I did. I beat my kids. And I was just like, I'm dating this beautiful girl, my new wife. You need that, Rachel. And I'm like, you know what? We're going to see Prince. If it cost me four grand, we're going to see Prince. So we go to, we go to and I had my Chipsu's car at the time. And we pull up in front of the Roosevelt the valet goes you're going to park this here and he parked it right next to the the, the, the rolls that was Prince's and it oh. sat right next to his all night and we go inside and we're sitting there and we're drinking and everybody was like who was there God, it was David Arquette was there like people I was like holy crap look at all these people and I was I think I was doing um, I think I was doing big shots at the time at one point the lights go down now, now my, my new wife now Rachel's into him now but she wasn't the lights go down and I go uh oh it's about to get weird and she is looking at me we're all sitting on these couches and she, she, she looks at me and she behind me, she's looking at something. She starts pointing crazy and she can't talk. And I turn around and Prince standing 10 inches from me, right behind me, spotlight on him, looking up at me like, who is this tall mother effort? And he's looking up at me and he's getting a laugh because I'm way taller than he is. And this is the weirdest man. You know, say what you will about Prince. The man looks at me and then the music hit and he jumped off the ground and landed on the back of this six inch couch on the edge of it and started dancing on the edge of this couch. Like, and, and it was, and then he just blew the roof away. It was, it, the whole room was, it was nuts. It was just nuts. I think that was the last time I got to see him. He, you know, it's a lot love about the guy. He had such a sense of humor. So that night they're playing, Quincy Jones is in the room. Quincy Jones gets up and, and Prince is playing the bass line to play that funky music, White Boy. He's running around on stage playing every instrument. Right. He's kicking band members off and he's sitting down at the drums. He's kicking a band member off and he's playing piano. Quincy Jones comes up and sings the first verse to play that funky music, White Boy. And he leaves. And then Patrick Swayze gets up, walks to the mic and sings the second verse to play that funky music, White Boy. And then as Patrick Swayze Watch out, Prince walks to the mic and goes, Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. David Hasselhoff. <laughs> <laughs> and I I lost it. I was laughing so hard. And, oh. and then so there's a there's a weird answer, like there's a there's a um, a foyer outside in the Roseman Hotel. So after the show's over, we're done. And I at this point I was going through that actually I was drunk at this point. We all went out and he went out in the foyer with on this tiny little stage and two other band members and he played for two more hours and we just stood around standing and listened to Prince play. It was crazy. That was a crazy night. That's the the very first time I saw Prince in concert was at the Fox Theater in Detroit and I was so nervous and I was prepared to be let down because I had been building this up my whole young life. And here I was right. at 18. I'm about to see him. The ushers are keeping us right at the curtain while I, apparently they're doing sound check. I didn't know what was going on. I was able to peek through the curtain and just saw Prince standing alone on the stage uh, messing around with his guitar. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh, I'm in the same room as Prince. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be able to control myself. I wanted to play like a little game where we talk and Prince speak. And I think you're going to enjoy this. If I'm choosing a political party and I'm doing this in Prince song titles, I would be a member of the Colonized Mind Party. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. Hell yeah. Maybe this next year I'll be a member of the 1999 party. Seeing where our country's going, I'm, I might be a little bit more of the 1999 party. But before this happened, the colonizer, I, I agree with you. 100%. I don't expect everyone to know every song. If you haven't heard Colonized Mind and you want to see how Prince predicted what we're going through right now, prepare to have your mind melted. He literally um, predicted right. this entire thing years ago. Yep. And the thing about him, like those, those moments, like people, like when I say, I, I get Prince, oh, I love Prince. What do you love? Oh, Purple Rain. I'm like, stop. I'm like, stop. <laughs> I go, when Musicology came out, I go, Musicology, by the way, is another thing where, where it was like people were talking smack about him. And he was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to throw down an album that's got every genre of pop rock song on it and basically stuff it all up your asses. And that's what he did. It was awesome. But when uh, Colonized Mind came out, the first time, uh, oh, you know, how about When Will We Be Paid, too? Oh, right, right. You heard when, oh, that song is so awesome. But Colonized Mind came out and I played it. It was on the loop in my car for, oh, I don't know, three weeks. Until my wife was like, do you want to listen to it again? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. Well, the writing's genius. Yes, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Okay, so if I'm picking a religion, it would be the latter. Yeah. Yes, I do. That's one of my favorite songs, actually. I always thought, why don't some of these New Wave churches play the cross during the services? That's a legit church song. I agree. The cross. Right. He, he could get it. People, and you wouldn't have to say it was Princess. You could just play it. And people go, that was awesome. Who's, what song is that? <laughs> right. It's so, yeah. Sneak attack. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> There's something about the latter. Here's a spiritual song that clearly does not have all the answers. That's what I like about it. It's just everyone's just trying to figure things out. And that's about as honest as you can be, right? I mean, that, I don't know. Every time I hear that song, everything has to stop around me for a few minutes. <laughs> but then you got you the full-on rocker, like the stuff that you just, where he just busts loose. Like when, when Kiss came out, like there's another moment where you just go, oh, right, we forgot. He's a musical genius that at any moment can drop one of the biggest hits you've ever heard in your life. Right. And when Kiss came out, I was like, holy crap. Is this guy doing it? So I, I, mean, I, I mean, I can go through every album if you want. But uh, I mean, another whole, uh, 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 another lover. Holy, sh- holy shit. Like, like, uh, Parade has song after song. Now, we can take his movies aside. He was always trying to do his own thing. But every album's got every album's got stuff on it that I go, listen, you guys, we're, we're, that's what we did at the party. I wanted to have the Prince party because so many people have this thing where they're like, yeah, I know Prince. Yeah, I Diamonds and Pearls. I heard that song. I heard a couple songs. I want them to come into this party every year and go, what the hell is this you're playing right now? And I go, this is off his ninth album or his 48th album. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, he was still, yeah, by the way, he was doing this up until the day he died. And the saddest part about him dying is that, you know, let's go crazy as don't let the elevator bring you down. And he died in his elevator. I don't know if it was an accident, an uh, ironic accident, or if he was like, you know what, I'm going out and this is how I'm going out. <laughs> let's see if someone's like the Illuminati. Yeah, I try to tell people that aren't on board with the Prince thing that the reason why it hurt, well, I can't really describe the reason why it hurt so much because I've never met the guy, but I felt like I lost a relative. Yep. It's, it's kind of like there was a magic about him that almost made us all believe he would never die. And then you start to look at, he had songs like Sometimes It Snows in April, and he died in April. The the line in Let's Go yep. Crazy you just mentioned. It's Oh, and how about the fact that he starts his career with a huge afro, and what does he end his career with? Right, yeah, huge afro, yep. He is constantly prophesizing everything, which I don't mean to get all <laughs> deep and shit, but doesn't it feel that way, though? It's, high up. The prince is high up in the Illuminati, is what you're saying. Right. <laughs> like, he, has, he ran some of the meetings. He has the people of Scientology going, how does he do that? <laughs> Because there's a joke I did in, the, in this special, 
and it's just out of the blue. I, I talk about how the world got weird in the last three years. I said, you know, I said, uh, you know, I talk about how hurricanes were lining up the coast, like the Grand Flag of Disneyland, and I go, Prince died, and what is what you said about him? Do you think he never died? I go, I go, Prince can't die. He's imaginary. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just like he he floated in. He dropped the funk. He floated out. No one ever saw him or met him. He, yeah. He, he was he was magical. <laughs> and the audience weird. Audience laugh. There's some people in the audience that laugh like you would laugh or I would laugh, that really get that the dude crossed the line. You know, that's another, go watch the, um, two people listening right now, if you're not into Prince as much as we are, go watch that solo he does at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, best TV performance ever. And all these band leaders on stage. So he's got the band leaders of band leaders on stage, and he walks on and blows them all away. It was pretty obvious that they were just a backup band once Prince hit the stage. And then he throws his guitar up in the air, and it never comes down. It's gone forever. Uh, you know what my favorite part of that performance is? George Harrison's son's face. Yeah, he's laughing. He is staring at Prince like like I'm watching a kid go through puberty or something. I don't know what. He is staring at Prince <laughs> yeah. in a way that oh, I can't understand. Yeah. He's watching him, and at one point, Prince looks at him, he bursts out laughing. And there's another point where you see Tom Petty getting a little irritated. Right. Because... because <laughs> Because I read some stuff about it, and there's a there's an interview, uh, there's an interview, and I read a bunch of Prince literature that read interviews and stuff. And one of his friends said that he they, they they didn't rehearse that. He rehearsed a kind of a nice normal solo, and then and that's what they rehearsed. And Prince told his buddy, he said, "Yeah, I'm gonna save it for the show." Then he walks out and destroys the room like for a flight. It's like seven minutes long. Uh, and at one point, Tom Petty looks at him kind of irritated, and they cut to Prince, and Prince does that Prince smile, that kind of mischievous uh, Prince smile, and they cut back to Tom Petty and Tom Petty kind of laughs and, and, and you can see Tom Petty just go alright fuck it I guess this is just going to go like this for now <laughs> it's one of, the best, one of the best performances I've ever seen at the Rock and Roll Hall you can hate Prince but if you are a fan of guitar playing I challenge oh, yeah. you to watch that and say that that is not the best guitar solo you've ever seen in your life it has to be hands down the best guitar solo performance yeah. Ever. Jimi Hendrix was one of his heroes guitar wise, and my, my daughter plays guitar, and she's a musician, and, um, and she's into the new stuff, and she's playing, she's writing songs and stuff, and so I sent her that. I go, Are you going to watch this? She watches it, and she goes, Oh my God, Dad. <laughs> and I actually have a copy of that guitar. That's that's a hard guitar for me to find because they are freaking expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I have. I don't. I don't have the expensive one. I have a copy of it. <laughs> I have a copy of it. And, and even even now, like uh, leading up to the Prince party and after the Prince party, I'm I'm immersed in Prince for you know probably you know 24 hours a day, just plays all day long. And there's songs. There's songs I didn't know. Like after he died, um, and you're sending me a bunch of stuff too. I had my assistant torrented a bunch of stuff because um, I bought I bought repeated albums and, and there's stuff we found I mean even the 2010 album with Lay Down on it there's stuff on it that people don't understand that the man kept banging up against his own creativity hard he didn't just drop into a groove and I'm just going to do this for the rest of my life he just kept pushing. I mean, um, you know how hard that is. Age, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, no one does it. That's why he's Prince. That's why we're having this conversation about Prince, and we're not having it about Chumba Wumba. That's why. I'd like to apologize to the entire audience that Chumba Wumba was just mentioned on this podcast. <laughs> but you know what? Though I get knocked down, I get up again. Yeah, very nice. He's kind of inspiring too. I've, I've I've designed my career around him too. So I don't know if you know this, but the last four comedy specials. So Prince years ago, everybody knows this, but that he hated Warner Brothers so much. The reason he had wrote "Slave" on his face was not because of slavery. It was because of Warner Brothers. Right. Because Warner Brothers signed him when he was a kid, and then they owned his ass. Um, and there's great stories about that too. You know, it, when it really goes to how bad show business really can be, um, there's lessons in, in his career. He brought the most beautiful girl in the world. He brought that to Warner Brothers, uh, and they said. 
we're not going to release this. We don't think it's good enough. And he said, okay, can I have the rights to it? And they signed the rights to uh, Most Beautiful Girl in the World to him. And it went number one in 58 countries. With no <laughs> with no promotional support. That's an important note. Since right. Warner Brothers yeah. wasn't a part of it, so he released it on his own and had no record labels pushing us to radio stations. And boom, he had one of his biggest hits ever with no help. Yeah, right. And so what happened was, and, and I, like even Chaos and Disorder, there's some great stuff on Chaos and Disorder. On the back of Chaos and Disorder, if you look at the bottom of the, uh, on the album, or I, I have to see this, this is uh, it says something to the effect of, this is the last piece of music um, the artist will ever record for. <laughs> he, he basically would fuck you on the back of the album. <laughs> then he, you know, started talking about how he wanted to own his own stuff, and he needed to own his own stuff. And I, I think, so that's why, like I just, Amerigeddon, I had a company making an offer on Amerigeddon, and they said, we own it, we'll own it in perpetuity. We'll pay you half, half. we will split the profits after after this much and after we take 10% off and all our expenses and there was no money and I, and I filmed it and I was like what would Prince do? And I, he, Prince would tell you to eat it and I'm releasing myself. You know, I, this is what I do and this is what I'm going to do. So I turned on that contract which pissed everybody off but I don't care. You don't get to own my stuff and that's all because of Prince. I run my entire career because of how he stood for what the artist wanted. And my daughter's career too where she's going to start releasing my music and I told her, I said, you want to own it. You want to be 80 and, these, this is, and you're still getting a check because you created something instead of letting these companies take it. So Prince lives on in my family. Prince knew that if if I'm getting 100% of $10, that's better than getting 10% of $1. Right. Pr- Prince right. knew that, yeah, the record label is going to sell more albums for me, but I'm not going to make any of that money, so why bother? We did like on the DVDs, the same thing. That's exactly, that's exactly what he said. I was like, that's right. So I produce the DVDs, we put them out, we package them, they look like anything else you buy in the store, and, and instead of me getting a dollar, I get I, I get you know eighteen dollars. That's way different. Yeah, that's way different. <laughs> and it's all because of Prince. So he didn't just he didn't just make me shake my bootay. He actually uh, helped my business. Do you find that it's also like, you know, a double-edged sword? I I run two radio stations and I do a morning show and I find that I'm constantly being told to stop trying to do everything myself. Not that I'm so good at everything, but because I feel right. like it's kind of the Prince influence where I'm just literally trying to control every aspect of what I'm putting out. And I don't rely, right. I don't rely on a team enough. Do you find yourself getting burned by that a little bit? Um, you know, it's weird. I, well, here's what I found. Um, I find that if you can create an image where people I sat next to a guy that worked with Prince once uh, I was on an airplane and we flying. I was actually flying to work in Minneapolis and I'm sitting next to this guy and I go what do you do he's a horn player I go oh you're a horn player I go you're going to, we're going to Minneapolis I go I go, you don't work with Prince and he, he just he, goes, he actually sighed he went yeah and I go really I go what was that like he said if you're going to be on his list of players he works with at any moment of the day you will get up and go so he said he'll call you at 3 in the morning and say I need you in the studio in 25 minutes what I said what do you do and he goes you get up it's Prince <laughs> right. And he goes, then you'll stay in that studio for 18 to 20 hours or 25 hours, and then you'll just go home. And and, and and so everybody wants to play with someone who's doing good work. That's why I'm calling you. You do good work. And I think that that's another thing I learned from the man, is that if you really bust your ass to do what's in your in your soul and you want to do it well, do it the best you can, the money can, uh, other people want to be part of it. And I think that's what he had. And that's what you have, man. I do get I do get. there's a time that's heavy. You're like, oh, man, I got so much to do and no one's going to do it the way I do it. Trust me, man. If you Once you get people on what you want to do, they'll jump on and help you. 
clearly Prince has been a huge influence. I didn't realize he was that much of an influence in your career because I look at what you do on stage and what he does on stage, obviously dramatically different, but you you are literally taking pages out of the Prince book when it comes to how you handle your business. That's I had no clue. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, and even and even like on stages, like in you know, a lot of comments are talking about, you know, like Prince was like all over the place when it comes to he you know, he could write he, he could write three nineteen and, and then he write shy on the same album and and all this all across the board, and he would uh, rock and rolls alive and live in Minneapolis. He'd write all this stuff, and he went all over the place, and he never dropped into the pop bullshit. He never did what everybody else did. If you look at comedy right now, I, I, I kind of watch a lot of it, and I don't try to do what anybody else does. I try to do like this. I'm never getting like this next show stories I should tell. It's kind of the dark. I'm going to solve suicide with it. I'm taking on stuff that other boys, everyone else is talking about, you know, uh, you know, blowjobs, sex jokes, and taking a, taking a dump or. Or, or isn't it, you know, the wall? I'm, I'm going to try to take on something bigger. And I think that's what he did. And I, I don't know. I think he, he shows, he, if you, whatever artist you are, whatever kind of artist you are, you can look at him like, just keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. And don't stop pushing it till you die. And if you die in an elevator, that, he was probably in the middle of recording, too. He's probably, you know, rocking around his house in the middle of recording. was on his meds. and His hits were so bad. We, every time now, you can't watch a Prince video now without every time he jumps off a riser, you go, oh, God, because you know that's why he was taking that medication because he was so much pain. I know. I want to go back in time and say, come on, dude, lay off the high heels, you know, but not right. like he would listen to right. me. Dude, dude, don't do it. Now, but uh, anyway, so, so it's, it's a huge, he's a huge influence. He's a huge influence in my life. And then, you know, and also it's just the best, it's the best music. And there's so much of it. It's crazy. Thank you for what you send me, dude. I, I cannot believe that you send me 20 minutes All I ask, all I ask is for like you to take like a selfie or a video of you unboxing it. That's all I want. I want to, I want to feel like I was there. <laughs> hey, now listen, I, one more thing. I, I'm curious about this since you're living the Hollywood life and you have a lot of friends in the business. So meeting people of certain levels of fame, probably not as big of a deal to you as it is to other people. However, I'm curious about the Prince circle. Is there someone or maybe a couple people that have worked with Prince that you would just die to hang out with, spend time with, have conversations with. Like for me, Wendy and Lisa all day long, even uh, right. Levi Caesar from the New Power Generation, people like that. How about you? It's weird. I have this thing with that. I, I always feel like um, I always feel like people are, um, like if you're hanging out with someone who worked with them and you're talking about him, I always feel weird about that. It's like someone comes over to me and goes, hey, you met George Carlin. What's George Carlin like? So... I, I uh, there was a the cousin, Sheila E's cousin was at the party and she came over and talked to us. She knew Sheila E and I was like, wow, that's awesome, man. You know, but I think at the end of the day, I think I think I'd like to sit down. You know, I'd like to talk to uh, Des Dickerson because Des he lived with Des for a minute, and I'd like to like if I could, I would if I if if Des was like, all right, you can interview me about print. That's what I'd like to do. I would like to do that. Find out who he was, why he was that. Like, how does that how does that life in Minneapolis turn into that guy who seems like he came from another planet? Both right. had the same thing yeah that's a that's a very good point the whole the whole story is so unlikely but but everybody yes. knew everybody knew from a very young age that boy was going to be something though you know what i mean he was definitely born yeah. with something yeah 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 i agree with that i think there's some people that just are just are i mean when you're playing he wrote his first song at what five or seven um and with his father he wrote and his dad was yeah i i i agree i agree it's just 
some of us are, are lucky enough to be born with something more. And some of us are supposed to work in a steel mill, and, and, and so Bruce Springsteen can write a song about us. Yes, I agree with that. And I got to tell you, dude, I love your work, but to find out that you have so much Prince cred, holy crap. Like, you <laughs> you can out Prince almost anyone I know, and I know a lot of Prince people. Uh, not just the knowledge of the Prince stuff, but you're for real about your love for the music. And a lot of people are Prince fans, and listen, no, I'm not judging anybody. Everybody's got their thing. They're like, the Revolution era, that's their jam. The New Power Generation, that's their jam. Even Third Eye Girl, there's a song, there's a cover he does on the Third Eye Girl album. Um, what the hell is that song? Um, Another Love? Another Love. Dude, that Holy song hell. blows my damn mind. How was yes. that not a hit? That's why I, it's almost like you and I have this kind of thing. Like, do you know, so you have like a little bit of an attitude about what people are like. Yeah, but you channel. Oh, really? All right. Uh, what you think about? Uh, what you think about um, uh, artificial age? And I go, what? Okay, you, you're not a fan, then, dude. If you didn't, if you didn't hear this, especially the second version of this could be us, then you're really not a fan. <laughs> like, oh, you dude. Like arrogant about it. <laughs> I love the mashed up version of this could be us so much. But oh, but awesome. another love that song. It just screams hit of any. Like he could have released it in the '80s, '90s, 2000s whatever I don't understand why that song didn't get radio play maybe they just didn't work at the radio but uh, that's one of well, the I best Prince songs I have the same problem and the problem is this you know he was he was very specific and, and you know people that run the business that, that are the gatekeepers they don't want a guy that comes in and can do it better than them and doesn't need their input like you know Prince is the kind of artist that you, you, you would just go and he just decided on his own he didn't need a manager he didn't need any record executive to tell him anything he needed to just let him go which they did when he was 17 he had, he got, they had records a company executive stand in the room and watch him. They didn't believe he could produce his own record, and they were in there for four hours, and they all laughed and go, "No, he could produce his own record." Um, and I think if you start take once you cut them out, like if I give them my DVD to make, and they're making, and I'm making a dollar, and they're making seventeen, they're happy. They're happy to do what they want, but they can't create it and they can't make it. So once you take that away from them and go, "No, no, no," I can. I you know, they have the internet now, and I can do. I can. There's DVD companies that make DVDs. I can do it myself, and record companies and CDs. I can just produce them. Myself. Not only that, but on sense, like what he did with musicology was genius. He's, he was such a, people thought, oh, Chris is a crazy. No, he was a genius. When the musicology tour hit, he added $10 to every ticket. When you walk through the gate to the musicology tour, that you got the album. They, everybody. There was people at every turnstile handing out musicology the album. The, so, the, the genius of that he, marketing ploy not only gets the music in their hands, but it also counted in sound scan. It was genius. It was genius. Right. So now Prince has like a number one album and people are like, when did this album come out? It wasn't in stores. He's giving it out at concerts. It's brilliant. Yeah, I don't think anybody ever did that. They, I'm sure somebody's doing it now, but I don't think anyone did that up to that point. But like that album, Cinnamon Girl, like like there's uh, um, the Marion Kind. Like there's some songs on that album that I, I and it's so funny because my... My new wife, my Rachel, uh, she 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 hadn't really heard of it, and I made her sit to it. And within like three listings of we going through every song, she just left it in her car and just let it play. It played all the time for a long time. And it, you know, I just you know, look, if people, if you're out there right now and you're you think you're a Prince fan, uh, start going. Work. You know what I would say? Work backwards. Start where you ended and go backwards till you catch up to where you know, because you you're missing out on like the guy stayed a genius. He didn't he didn't get old. And just be, you know, start playing Vegas and become a guy that faded out. He was always uh, just the, the the baddest ass motherfucker that ever played music. Then I'll leave it at that. And I, my, one of my favorite things he ever did. I burst out laughing when this happened. Remember Justin Timberlake came out with "Sexy Back." Oh, the Justin, Prince, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Prince is like sexy, never left. Just, he 
Oh, yeah, he releases a, a simple statement that just says, sexy never left. <laughs> it's like so perfect. It was so perfect. When I was a teenager, I was walking around. Here was skinny little white boy in a, in a tiny little white Michigan town, walking around talking like Morris Day all the time. And my parents just let me do it. <laughs> I was walking around like, <laughs> and they did not make me stop. I grew, I grew up That's with some patient awesome. people. That's awesome. And that movie we watched, we just watched it. Ray and I just watched Purple Rain. Might be for the party. And uh, and it, it's really you, it doesn't it does parts of it don't hold up well in the sense of filming. But Morris Day's character is always so funny in the movie. And and there's moments in Purple Rain where you're like, this is awesome. Like this is awesome. That scene where they the band's mad at him and he and, he, and he's sitting at the table and he, he's got that little puppet thing. <laughs> and he goes, you dear music. Like he was, he stayed true to himself, man. And if you, by the way, at the end of your life, you can say, yeah, I, I may have died this way, but I stayed true to what I did. Um, and that's why with, with you know, with comedy, I, I like, I, I'm telling my daughter right now, hey, you don't need to do. Don't follow people. Don't do something that's already been done. Create something for them to follow. That's what you should be shooting for. And and that's what Prince did. There you go. I think we've I think we've beat it to death now. Thank you so much, number one, for inviting me to the party and for spending time with me this evening. I really appreciate it. Well, you're on for next year too, man. Get show notes, pictures, and more info on my Prince story at myprincepodcast.com. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at My Prince Podcast. My Prince Story is recorded in my cozy Prince basement in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.